Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about their starting industry, what their influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half, we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Oli Oli by Roll7. We have here Tom Hegarty of Roll7 Games. Please introduce yourself, sir. Hi there, thanks for having us on. I'm Tom Hegarty, as you say, of Roll7. I'm one of the directors here. Uh, my main role at the company is a uh, producer, and I also um, do a lot of the press side, so uh, hassling people with emails and trying to get them to, to talk about my game, which is um, happening here. So it seems to be working at the moment. Hence you being there. So you've, yes. you've answered my first question, who you are. <laughs> it kind of follows through so the second question is how do you make your start in in, in the industry of video games okay so um me personally slightly kind of um different route to normal so that there's actually three directors uh, at the company but myself personally i was actually um running a multimedia training company um, with one of the other directors here called Simon. Um, we taught young people various stuff like music production, film production, uh, but we're both always, you know, very interested or, you know, very passionate about video games. And we decided to look and see if we could run a course uh, into video games design. Um, and we found a piece of software called FPSC. Don't know if you've, you've come across that, first-person mm-hmm. shooter creator. Oh, yes, so I have can... seen this. I, I saw it at, um, I think it was um, a play.com sort of event. Definitely saw it um, did last year. Carry on. Yeah. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. So it's made by a company called Games Creators, a guy called Rick Vanner. Uh, and we just got in contact with them and said, look, this is, we want to teach young people uh, how to make video games. Uh, we found your software. Um, you know, what do you think you're up for some kind of partnership or working out? So at first they kind of, you know, let us use a couple of copies. We tested it out uh, and it just proved incredibly popular uh, amongst all the young people working with. It actually became our most successful course. Now, with not having a huge amount of coding knowledge myself, it just became, it was a really easy tool to kind of, you know, prototype stuff and put stuff together. Um, and as the kind of course developed, uh, we actually realized we needed someone with, you know, a bit more kind of uh, background experience. So we kind of recruited and we came across this guy called John Ribbons, who is now director at Roll7, is the you know, key gameplay designer. Um, and he came along, he'd been using FPSC for years and kind of really took the course um, to another level. So during that time, you know, we're kind of prototyping stuff, etc. Uh, John introduced us to a couple of other programs, you know, Multimedia Fusion. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So again, kind of middleware stuff, um, but you know, stuff where you can prototype really quickly. Um, and after a certain while, we kind of realised, you know, the prototypes that we're coming out with. I mean, mainly John's, probably not mine so much. Um, were you know, it seemed there was something out of them, and we kind of wanted to see if we could, you know, actually start developing our own games. So around it's about five and a half years ago, we set up uh, Roll Seven as a kind of vehicle to do that. And because of the... Can I just area... ask you to interject that Why Roll7? I love asking developers about the, the names. About if, it's a, the... if it's a benign girl, like, like oh, yeah, just random name generator, <laughs> or is there some, some specific reason why it's called that? Well, the, our previous company, the training company, was called Rolling Sound. Uh, oh, okay. And so we wanted to stick with the role as a kind of, you know, a kind of a brand thing. Uh, so originally it was called Rolling Media. Right. And then we realised that was a terrible name and very dry. <laughs> um, and I think Roll7 came about in a conversation in the car. It was something to do with rolling a dice and the fact that sevens, you know, that's the kind of one better than you could get on a dice. So I'm <laughs> not sure if we're saying we're better than the dice or um, quite, quite what it is, but that's where it came from. So you're beyond uh, physics. Like, what is seven <laughs> on a six-sided dice? It's spinning. Yeah. It's just spinning a lot. Yeah. Uh, Steve Hawkins between... exploded when he saw yeah. the dice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it. It's a little black hole of his. Yeah. There it is. Okay. So, so sorry I interrupted you. No, no, no worries. So I'm, I'm afraid there's no kind of deep meaning behind it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we, so we set it up about... Um, 
five, six years ago. And because we were in that realm of kind of working with young people, a lot of them from an underprivileged background in computer games, we wanted to see if we could translate that into the games we're making. So we actually started making um, what we called socially responsible games. And we actually made two anti-knife crime games because we were working with a lot of youth offenders at the time. So it was a way to kind of try and get that message across. And we ended up doing a game for young people with ADHD as well. Uh, which used the NeuroSky uh, headset. I don't know if you're aware of that, that can um, read your focus and concentration. So, sorry, focus and relaxation. Um, so th- we were kind of in that realm, but we were always, again, developing our own prototypes. The idea was to always move towards our own IP. Um, so I think that's a very long, convoluted <laughs> answer to your, to your question of how we got to, into the industry. But it was, yeah, it's kind of a slightly alternative path to, to how a lot of people do it. No, I mean, we had a chap from uh, the last episode from uh, Paradox, and he said, oh, I started making um, demos on the Amiga. Remember those? Uh, <laughs> oh, that was, well, that was my first computer, the Amiga 500. Yeah, um, not mine. Sadly, it was a ZX81 because I'm that old. But um, <laughs> it's uh, that, hearing those stories and also hearing your stories, completely different. He's, he's this chap who left school at you know, 18 with no qualifications or anything and just you know, built his own, taught himself assembly to make right, these amazing okay. demos. And then here's yourself coming in from a completely different angle and actually coming up with just as brilliant things. As, you know, Granted, Europe Universal is a totally different game, but they're still games and yeah, still yeah. in the same realm. You know? And uh, uh, whereas in Oli Oli, you play that for... 20 minutes and the other game well i'm not trying to say how long i spent that game. <laughs> but it's still just as rewarding yeah yeah which we'll come on to so interesting so this next question is really going to be maybe drawing from that past is what are your influences as a developer i mean it can be anything you like but what it could be a person things books whatever what is the thing that you seem to be drawn to more than anything or is it many things Sure, sure. Okay, so um, I suppose the biggest influence, you know, game-wise is is the kind of the studios we're big fans of and the, the games we're fans of. So I think Vlambia are kind of up there in terms of the style of gameplay. Um, I think probably Super Box in particular is just a lovely example of how, you know, kind of... I kind of almost don't like to say simple mechanic because it sounds like it's belittling it, which, which I don't want to do. But, you know, kind of simple mechanic, as soon as you hit a box, your weapon changes and suddenly your whole dynamic of play and your tactics change. And you literally are, you know, in one screen. And, you know, in first level, I think you've only got three levels you can actually jump onto. So I think, and again... Maybe transparent might be a better way to put it rather than... It's sort of obvious. It's it's not hidden. It's not yeah. uh, obscured in any way or ambiguous like mm. there, there you are this we're, we're changing the rules a little bit have yeah. fun with this now exactly and i remember the you know the first time i uh, played that I was like wow okay this is this is super addictive and it's just you know kind of instantly into the game but you it's one of those things that you can just get into die a few times and then go okay cool yeah I'll, I'll move on to something else or you can just get get into it and really try and you know get as many crates as possible so that, i think stuff blambia have a big influence on us um and obviously, I, uh, Super Meat Boy as well has been a big influence, which I think you know, you kind of mentioned before we started. But that I think hopefully people can see influences between um, what we've done in Oli Oli and what what they've done there. Um, and again, I suppose you've got uh, Denerton, uh, the guys behind Hotline Miami. Uh, all those kind of guys are big influences on on yeah. what we've done, and I think especially when you consider that we started developing Oli Oli at the beginning of 2013. Um, so I think Hotline Miami came out was it a couple of months before that? Yes, it was November, I believe. Yes, yeah, uh, because I remember playing it at Eurogamer Expo in 2012, being completely blown away by it, and uh, and then uh, just throw myself into the game in christmas of that year yeah yeah not the not the most festive of games but um <laughs> i i'm proud to say i finished it because i'm not the greatest video game player of all time at all okay. but i but i finished it you were one better than me in that case john <laughs> has finished it um yeah i just it, but but it's it's i just love that kind of you know one more go permadeath 
Um, we start. Oh, I yeah. can't do that. Let's try this way. Oh, oh, that happened. That's what I yeah. love about the um, the you know the, the as it changes. Whatever you're doing, you're like, oh, I could have done that, but if I threw the gun in his face, and yeah, it's just <laughs> glorious stuff. And Ollie Ollie also has all of that too, because you go, oh, I could do that. Mm. We we'll talk about that in in, in later. Okay. Um, so who you so. These two, three and four questions have got it tied. So you've already mentioned that you've been influenced by, but who you most admire in the industry, if anyone? Sure, sure, sure. That's a tough question because I want to single people or leave people out. Um, we get a lot of response. I don't want to annoy yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, not, but, uh, you know, I don't want to buff up when someone's ego is already expanded anyway. So let's, 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 let's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think I probably go down the down a similar route. So someone like I know there's there's two guys at uh, Vlambeer, but obviously Rami's kind of the the most vocal in terms of how he talks about games and kind of I know I know he talks about a lot of in, uh, issues are, you know around the games industry as well. But yeah. I, I particularly like the way he talks about uh, game the games he makes and kind of the design decisions uh, he's made as well. And I think someone also to kind of. Uh, reference as well is um, James Marsden at Future Lab, right. um, yeah. sort of velocity fame. Yes. Um, partly I have all of those games. Ah, yes, I bought them good. on the PSP, and then it just like, oh, this is different. Oh, yeah. oh, this is really yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and again, James is another kind of proponent of talking about uh, what he does and how he does it, uh, and I find kind of following his thoughts very interesting and kind of often help reflect on what what we're trying to do um as a studio i think recently he just put a blog up on you know almost like a one-on-one on how to make a game um and some of it you know you, you look at and you go well okay yes that makes sense and some of it you just kind of wrote stuff that you might think of but just in a different way and his angle on it and i think you know kind of admire people who are kind of willing to you know, kind of give the bare bones of their kind of ideas and how they go about stuff. Nice kind of open community, really. It's quite extraordinary. I've said this to other developers as well, is that I've grown up in a time when a video game developer, do you know Assembly? Yes, then you can make games. And that's generally the um, the feeling of like, do you understand what they used to call machine code or do you know how to hard code into the machine? Yeah, yeah. And like, yes, then you can make games. Do you, do you not know how to do it? No, and then you can't make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, is not true, and it hasn't been true for a good ten years, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but because you've experienced it, the first person, you know, these these middleware exactly, stuff, yeah. and but I honestly, genuinely, still for, for a very long time, going, no, I can't do this. It's I don't know assembly. I don't know. I mm-hmm. speak in, in that in that um, hard binary code hexadecimal <laughs> madness. I, I, I you need a mass brain to do that, and I'm not you know. So yeah, it's really interesting to see how you've worked and, and how you've you started out teaching how to make games and, and now you're you're here making extraordinary uh, additions to to the ever burgeoning list of games oh, that happen oh, every minute well i've um, got to say kind of on on that point of view um john who's one of our other directors he's the kind of he actually was the kind of the genesis for the game when he was about 13 so he's kind of always since a young age he was always kind of doing prototypes um so he's kind of he had that idea from a very young age that so kind of developed as it went along um so I, you know it wasn't kind of, i didn't just suddenly pick it up and suddenly oh, like, no. oh, i can make, make make this stuff it's um it's amazing know, it's kind of team team effort it's there are games out there that people realize oh this come out of the blue no yeah oh, this has been around for a decade and someone's here <laughs> um best example i'm coming up with i really read, read the story about the the banner saga which i i love that game and that's uh uh, which leads us on to our next sort of topic, really, what you're playing right now. Um, sure, for me, sure. I just finished Banner Saga, and uh, that was the, apparently in the heads of the developers who used to work at BioWare for decades. Wow, okay. And then Are they, they allowed went, to use the word saga? With um, <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking the other day, what about all the other games that were made before Candy Crush that had saga in it? Mm. You know, there's um, Xenogears Saga, I think, for example. <laughs> there's Bit Trip Saga. What about that? Yeah. I haven't gone after them. Yeah. <laughs> Open up so, a, a world of pain for themselves. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's the edge thing all over again, but um, let's not go there because that ended rather 
rather badly. Okay. <laughs> um, so what are you playing, sir? I'd like to ask this question. Okay, sure, sure, sure. So I, I've been playing kind of a, a mixture of games recently. I, I went off on a, on a different path. Um, so uh, are you aware of Gods Will Be Watching? Yeah, oh, God. Sorry. Right. That, <laughs> that, that game just disturbs me every time yeah. I play it. It's just some of the people sitting around that little campfire... <laughs> Um, maybe we should talk about this game to the audience so you know what it is. So it's kind of like a point-and-click adventure, right? Yeah. Where you're trying to rescue or uh, a crashed spaceship on this planet and there's a series of characters around you and you're trying to interact with them backwards and forwards to try to make it through until rescue mission arrives. Is that right? Or you're trying yeah. to, you're trying to fix the radio, true. basically. Have you done it? No, I haven't. <laughs> Hence, hence why I'm still playing. Because um, <laughs> I think at the moment, I know it's, it's, I think what they released was kind of like a, um, well, an alpha or whatever you It was a proof of concept. Being, yes, it's that's a, it, yeah. It's a proof of concept. Yeah. So I think it's being, it's being developed at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, I just found that a really interesting game. You know, the fact that you've got that one screen to look at, um, you've got those number of characters and obviously the first few times you're playing it, you're not aware of what's going to happen. So you're kind of just doing stuff. You forget to, you know, light the fire overnight and everyone dies. You know, like, well, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I told him to do that. And he didn't do it. He just went um, off and got killed by a, ma- a monster. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, that game talks a lot about story <clears throat> in that, but I think I generally people think forget this. And as a D&D player, I think I really do think it's important. It's people, yeah. stupid. It's people. Yeah, exactly. People, yeah. even the biggest hermit in the world is attracted to other people. We are a social animal as human yeah. beings. And that is why that game works, because you're so engrossed with the health and safety of all those people <laughs> on that screen. Because, I never thought of it as health and safety, but yeah, that is right. Yeah. It is, because you... Uh, it's not health and safety. It's the health yeah. and safety of these people uh, because um, you have empathy. Yeah, you know, totally. you don't want these things to happen to you. So why would you want these things to happen to them? I mean, it's the only exception to this is in The Sims when you get so bored of them and put them in a room <laughs> with no doors and you watch them die in their own excrement. <laughs> but uh, if you're, you know, but you know for me this game um is, is glorious I, I i can't wait for a full how they can make it to more than that i'm yeah, worried. interesting I'm worried. To see, it, it works very nicely in, in the setting yeah. it's got but i think it was you know like you say it's kind of that that human element and i think i mean i haven't managed to finish it i'm still kind of trying a moment but you realize oh hang on a minute to get to the end can i take all these people through with me Oh, yes. <laughs> what decisions am I going to have to yeah, make? People, it gets really dark. Yeah, it does get very dark. I was about to say, some actually go insane. Yes. They, <laughs> they just go insane. Um, and for for variety of reasons. So, extraordinary. Anything else? <laughs> yes, a um, couple of things. So, in a similar vein to that, um, well, I say similar, but uh, save the date. Uh, I don't know if you've come across no. that. It's actually another point-and-click adventure. Right. I think it came out, it was a good few months ago, kind of maybe September, October, and I just never got around to, to playing it. And obviously over Christmas, had a bit of time off and downloaded a load of stuff, then never got around to playing that. <laughs> so I uh, just built up. But yeah, the last um, couple of weeks, I don't, I don't want to give too much away because it, it's well worth playing. But again, it's a point-and-click, and you basically, your phone rings at the beginning, and it's this woman, and you basically go on a date uh, and as you start going on these various dates, you you get options, kind of what food to eat, uh, which restaurants to go to, etc. And you very quickly realise that um, she dies in a lot of these scenarios. Well, actually, all of these scenarios. And you basically have to work out how to get to the end of the date without dying. <laughs> but there's some hilarious um, endings. Like you go to a restaurant... Um, it's got an outside pier that you can sit on, you know, over the oh, water. No. No. And um, she gets attacked by a sea monster. <laughs> and, and you're just... <laughs> you, can't, you can't plan for that. No, you can't plan for that. Oh, look, what's back... that? That appears to be a titan. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, but when you go back in the next time, yeah. um, you don't sit by the seafront. 
No, of course you don't. But then some other horrible fate kind of hits her. This, so, yeah, this, sorry, go on. yeah, this reminds me a lot of, you know, replaying it and doing different things and saying, oh, that won't work, that won't work, this will work, was there's a section in a game called Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Infocom where you're trying to get the Babel fish, which is this fish that allows you to translate all languages. Yeah. And there's this whole sequence of events, sequence of things you have to do all in text form to try and actually solve it. Like, and he says, no, that won't work, will it? No. <laughs> and it's very similar to that, in that you have to replay it over and over again to get this bloody fish in your ear. Yeah. But yeah, carry on. Well, no, I mean, this, it gets, it gets very interesting because, and again, I don't want to give too much away because if, if you go and play it, it's, <laughs> the way it kind of comes to its end is, is really well done. But you kind of start getting into conversations, you know, with this woman you're on a date with, and you can actually let her know that you're in this situation and that you're playing a game <laughs> and whether she'll believe you. And it's almost kind of like got a Groundhog Day element to it. Oh, you mean uh, you've got, like, it's full floor breaking. So it says, you know, this is a game, right? It's going to happen over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, how, how can I believe you? And then you can find out information from her in one go she'll die and then you can tell her that in the next gun that will change the course of events um really really interesting very That's really up. good uh like literally kind of you know you you're in a restaurant and there is just one still image behind you and the text comes up um but yeah well, well worth a play actually it seems to be a theme of your game so far in that there's the darkness and point. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, I, it was interesting because it's not something I, I've played for a long, long time. You mentioned um, Monkey Island, mm. <laughs> you know, when we first started talking. Well, the reason I talked, talk, the reason that popped in my head, because I was just uh, halfway through Broken Age at the moment. So, uh, right, okay. That's, that's why I thought, oh, yeah, Tim Schafer and that may have subconsciously just dropped in my head. <laughs> it could have been anything. It could have been Beneath the Steel Sky, for all I know. It's just, yeah. Uh, um, well, to, yeah. to break from those completely, we got the, the PS4 in the office uh, at the beginning of the year. I've, I have one of those too. They're very uh, so, nice and shiny. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Rezogun has been on a lot as well, uh, which is just kind of pure it's arcade fun. Very Defender. The two. It's like a cross between a game called Nebulous on the C64 many, many years ago. We had this big shaft. We actually jumped around and, and the shaft rotated as you jumped right, around. Okay. And it's like I a platform. I remember that, yeah. yeah. I played some... Oh, sorry, go on. It was the first of its kind. Uh, absolutely okay. bonkers game. And now we've got a mixture between that and Defender on a PS4. See, it reminds me of a game called Project X. Oh, God, that media. was brutal. That game yes. was... That was just <laughs> like, please assume the position. It was yes. just... Um, I actually played that a couple of weeks ago because I still have a functioning oh, really? Amiga. Oh, I still. I do have a functioning one because I recently got through the post um, uh, an SD card that I I replaced the hard disk in Amiga with one of those. Ah, right. And it, okay. it, it, so it's got its four gigabyte, you know, cost twenty pence SD card in, in the Amiga, <laughs> and because the Amiga's freaking out over four gigabytes of space, it's going, oh my god! So I started installing all this stuff onto it. One of the games I put onto it managed oh, to brilliant. Was, was Project <laughs> I'd X. love to play that again. It was <laughs> I actually did set up. My Amiga, when I was at uni, I mean, this is going back 10 years, and played it again, and we were shocked at how difficult it was. It is. Um, I mean, it's, speaking of the designer now, if you look back on it, you go, you wouldn't let that go. You wouldn't let it out like that in that state. <laughs> you, believe, you would not these days. You'll be vilified. You're like, what are you doing? You yeah. know? Well, that's um, second, it's the second level is kind of like a speed run. Yeah. You're just travelling at twice the speed, going through tiny um, corridors. That's it was, right. It was, um, yeah, that I, I think I only got past that a few times, to be honest. But um, that was—I loved that game. That was <laughs> what I played over and over and over. Oh, I can't quite remember how far I got on it. I don't think I completed it. Um, but yeah, oh, just reminds yes. me of that. It, I know it's—I know it's a very different, you know, kind of. But you know, the kind of where those bosses at the end as well, kind of very similar. There is some uh, similarity because, yeah. well, although the, you could actually kill the bosses in Mesogun, whereas in. <laughs> In yeah. in Project X, um, you 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 well you can't really um, uh, because it's bullet hell and then yeah. massive death and yeah. more bullet hell. Um, but uh, this is very recent memory because honestly, I, I I actually took a photo of it and put it on Twitter saying, "Look, I'm playing uh, this game on on my Amiga okay, Twenty Five, which is which is still functioning." And people are going, "Oh my god!" Because I do look <laughs> after my stuff. I've got 
I've got a extraordinary amount of uh, retro kit. I've got Amstrad that still functions. I've still got all this stuff, and I've got um, a Spectrum. In fact, funny story, and we'll, we'll end it, we'll move on to talk about Oli Oli next phase, is that I donated a Spectrum to PAX. Oh, I, okay. <laughs> because they have a retro section, right. a retro arcade, and all of it is NES, 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 yeah, yeah, and yeah. an Atari. And I said to them, you do know that this is a in the US, you had your NES, but we didn't in the UK. We had the Spectrum and the C64. This is what the has, yeah. And they went, what's the Spectrum? At, at that time, really? yeah, they just didn't know. No, what, what do you mean? That's the, the colours of a rainbow. Is it, you know? No, no, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's a computer. Uh, <laughs> what? A it uses, yeah. And so this is what I did. I took my, because I have multiples of them. I had this 48K Spectrum rubber key Proper, not I remember us. it. It was my first experience. Was I didn't have one, but my friend had one. Yes, so I remember it very well. So it had this little spectrum, and I actually brought it over to the United States, and I converted the video signal to composite because the RF wouldn't work in American tellies. Right, it would work, so I had to convert it. So I did that, and then I realised it was still going out, pumping out PAL. So then I put it in a PAL to NTSC converter. <laughs> and then I and then I bought. I, then I realised that oh, the power won't work because the transformer. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I had to buy a step up transformer um, to actually get it to work. And I, it was like having a life support unit. But I managed to drag all this stuff six thousand miles to Seattle and gave them this stuff and said, "There you go." And now these Americans sitting there playing Arctic Attack <laughs> on the Spectrum, and it wasn't loading from a little memory card. It was loading from tape. From the cassette. From you kind the of cassette. did a pimp my ride <laughs> of the computer. It was absolutely amazing. All these Americans, and they actually ended up, they had, um, they put Underworld on there, and the people said they liked it, but it was too hard. It is. Yes. Um, <laughs> did you have um, Target Renegade? I think that was one of my favourite. I, I did, but I had it on games. the Amstrad, because it was amazing. Right, okay. Yeah, it was amazing on the Amstrad. Because it was the colours on the Amstrad way more than a C sixty four, so it was. I loved that game, even though it's yeah. excessively, excessively violent. I remember that it was so violent that the sensors actually changed the blood to blue. <laughs> I, I remember. Do you know what? It's funny, kind of like I don't remember it being that violent. Imagine if I looked back on it now. But I remember you did um, fly kick people off motorbikes. Yes, they headed towards you, that's, which that's, was immensely yeah. satisfying. It was because they were when they took you out. It was like. <laughs> but yeah, it was my first uh, experience of because uh, uh, I didn't really play anything like Double Dragon and stuff like that. It's a very American sort of thing. Uh, whereas this was yeah, my 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 bag. So, but yeah, and it's still there. You know, every year they actually <laughs> it's so complex to set up. They got this sheet of paper to actually explain how <laughs> each cable needs to be plugged because they they had to put in the joystick adapter. They have to put in the yeah, yeah. They have to plug in the tape recorder. It's completely alien to them. But when they they I mean, and, and the reaction I got from people like Will Wooten walked up and, and apparently lost it. He couldn't believe the spectrum was there. He goes, "This is a functioning spectrum. This is a functioning." I can't. He knew what one was. He'd never played on one. He never freaked saw, out. Okay. He'd never saw one. He knew what it was. He knew the legend of Spectrum, apparently. <laughs> but he said he'd never seen one. He goes, and he was, he was lost his mind. And it worked. It did actually work. And really? it does work. And every well, year, if I get out there, I'll um, <laughs> be on it myself. <laughs> Bring Target Renegade. We'll, uh, we'll have a go. <laughs> I've got lots of tweets from British people over there, expats going over there going, have you seen what's on con- <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen what's up there? And they sit there for hours, apparently, ignoring all the latest games and everything, and downstairs in the main hall, and just sitting there playing old Spectrum games <laughs> until 2am. Brilliant. Yeah, uh, like. tr- trying to get past the Banyan tree on Jet Set Willy, which is not possible, because, <laughs> you know, we all know now the state of the mind of the fellow making it. <laughs> so, that's the end of the first half. Let's move on to the second half, where we talk about Oli Oli. this glorious game that is Ollie Ollie. Right, okay, so Ollie Ollie. Um, so the initial idea for this game 
actually came from John, which I think I alluded to earlier. So John is one of the other directors here at Rail7. Uh, when he was in his youth, uh, about 13 or 14, uh, so we're going back to the kind of early mid 90s here. Uh, he was two kind of main passions were video games and skateboarding. So you can probably see where I'm going with this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was um, is very good skateboarder. Uh, he was actually sponsored by um, a cl- skating clothing company or brand rather called Route One. Uh, and there are some videos of him, and we're trying to get him to put them up on YouTube at the moment, um, <laughs> doing his stuff. And he, he could really do some... Can he do it anymore, know, or will he just break his leg now? Uh, yeah, break his leg. You know, we're kind of got to that age. Well, John's a bit younger. John's about four years younger than me, so I think yeah. his muscles still work. But if I try any, you know, yeah. I've got yeah. to the early 30s now where your body just goes, no. Don't do it. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, he can still do a bit. Uh, Simon also uh, can skate as well. Um, but obviously kind of, you know, the games he was playing at the time, uh, going back to that era, were 2D pixel skate games. So kind of the idea, to, he really wanted to do this, you know, left to right scrolling skateboarding game. Um, now that was, as I say, mid-90s. So it took us about 15 years to, to do anything with the idea, if not maybe a bit longer. <laughs> um, but when we started developing prototypes a couple of years ago, uh, John just came in with this game one day and he'd actually put it on his iPhone because there's the converter from Multimedia Fusion, which is quite easy to just plug in. Um, we used TestFlight, got it on all our phones, and we just started playing it, and very quickly became very addicted to it. Um, and we just thought, oh, hang on a minute, we, we should do something with this. Sai was actually away at the time. Uh, he was doing a bit of travelling uh, with his girlfriend, and I, I'm not sure he was spending much time with her, because he just kept sending us screenshots <laughs> of the scores he'd got. Uh, on this skating game, um, <laughs> this is on the iPhone, you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was it was. We never released it on the iPhone. It was just like a literal demo that we had. I understand, but I'm a little bit curious because this game, I've struggled to see how it would work on anything but the Vita. Yeah, because uh, it is on. By the way, everyone, it's on the PS Vita. If you don't know already, currently anyway, um, he says um, loaded. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, those controls. How? How? What was it okay, like? so it was it was ve- it was very simple, and we've kind of obviously massively expanded the trick set. But the principle, the the principle that you have now, that you launch a trick and you land it. So for people who haven't played it, you you launch a trick by using the left analog stick. So you, you pre-launch as it as in skate. Um, but what we've kind of added in is the landing mechanic, and this kind of came from what's the you know a lot of people can get on a skateboard and push it along. That's not too hard. Getting it to flip in the air is a bit harder, but you know you can just wang your feet about a bit, and the board will do some kind of flip. Landing it, landing it. That's the hard bit. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we wanted to kind of translate, and that's what we felt other skating games hadn't necessarily done. And that's successfully, I have to say, because oh, at times you go, that was amazing. No! Yeah. <laughs> I hit that button! I swear I hit it! Uh, but yeah, carry on. You, I'm not interrupting too much. But yeah, it's... it's, it's <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's that... So that was the basic mechanic, is that the launching and the landing was in the original game. Yeah, so you flicked your left thumb up, and right. then right thumb on the bottom right to land it. So it just had straight away, you got the kind of rhythm. Now, a few people have kind of almost described Oli Oli as kind of a rhythm game. Yes. Um, which, if you haven't played it, might not make sense of skating around the game. But you, you, you don't have to do stuff at a specific point, but you do have to find the rhythm. So it's launch a trick, wait, excellent. Launch a trick, wait, excellent. And it's that waiting that was kind of just felt very different. And, you know, the first time you play it to people, we're giving it to people and showing them. They're just like, oh, the hell? Like, what's going on here? Why do I have to press X to land? And we're like, well, you know, we're trying to mimic what skateboarding's like in real life as much as you can with a 2D pixel man who crashes all the time. I think um, you've been doing a little bit disservice because there's, there's a little bit more to it than just pressing X. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's only fair that you say that pressing X at the right time yes okay so the timing so there's an interesting story kind of behind that and how that developed so in this this original demo you had to press x just before your board hit the the ground otherwise you slammed so it's a very difficult game um but after we went through the pitching process with sony and we started building the game we went in to show them the first playable actually on the vita and um they had you know their 
top games guys there who basically get paid to play games and are very good at games. And these guys are going, this is too difficult. They, you know, they're not sure if they've played Project X recently. (laughs) They could have referenced Project X difficulty levels. And they were saying that you have to, or you don't have to, but you should be able to land. You know, if you press X at the wrong time, you should still be able to land. You're like, ah, but you know, that's kind of, the point of the game is you have to know you're landing. That's skateboarding. If you don't, do you landing at the right time of skateboarding? You fall off. And they're like, well, yes, but, you know, this, this isn't real skateboarding. We appreciate you're trying to mimic that. So we left the meeting going, you know, what does Sony know about games? And obviously they know a hell of a lot about games. And so a week later, we just kind of thought about it. And we're like, oh, do you know what? They're right. We'd showed it to a few more people. Uh, and just people just couldn't get the hang of it. So you, you do eventually. I'm talking to someone who's completely separate, outside in. Um, it's very rare for me not to hit X in the right problem. Now I'm not putting my hand up and going, I'm the God of this because sure, sure. what I'm doing is I'm, I'm over conservative. I usually hammer it too early. So you're getting so I, sick and okay. Landing get an okay. Landing sick and okay. So I'm not getting perfect as much as I'd like. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, sketchy doesn't happen, but we're about to talk about sketchy, aren't we? So, yes. the, so tell us that's how that landing mechanic evolved. Yeah, so uh, as you said, there's kind of five landings that you can have all the yeah. way through from sloppy to perfect. Yeah. And so the original demo, unless you got a perfect landing, you slammed. So this kind of advice from Sony, we kind of came in with, actually, you know, we can really expand the score system here, um, you know, in a really neat way and be a bit kinder to the player, but still have the kind of difficulty of, of timing your X landing perfectly. And so it, was like, it seemed like a nice kind of middle ground for us that you still, if you want to play the game and get those high scores, you have to have that perfect precision timing and press X just before or just as you land. And so by if you pressed X you know, at the wrong time, now you still landed. We're like, hang on a minute, let's, let's reward players for how close they get to perfect. So me and you could be playing the same level and do exactly the same combo. Uh, you could land your trick perfect and get 100,000 points. If I landed mine sloppy, I'd get 2,000 points. That's right. So that, that landing mechanic was not only kind of originally was kind of the rhythm and trying to get the idea of, of skateboarding landing, but it's now become, it's added this dynamic to the game where no matter how well you're doing, and you could build up a ridiculous combo, you know, 100 times, be spinning and doing all sorts of tricks, there's always that risk element that you could just get your timing run at the end and get, you know, 100 points or something it, like that. So you're always kind of on a knife edge. It encapsulates so much about a lot of action, reactive, high-dexterity games in that it's a multiplier, so it creates a multiplier based on your own, like how much risk you're willing to expose yourself to. Yeah. So how long are you going to hold off pressing that X? Yeah. Are yeah, you yeah. really going to just say <laughs> just when you're three or four pixels away from the from the you know from the surface, or you think I'm okay with a you know an okay landing? I'm, I'm <laughs> but I built up a pretty good combo. I'm okay with okay. Yeah. So you just you just do it. Um, sadly, I'm not that person. I'm always going. Come on, Chris, you can do this. And it's normally about three nanoseconds too late. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. I'm getting yeah. I'm getting much better at it. What what. My um, quandary with the game is, uh, is is when I'm trying to do spins, 360 spins with the shoulder buttons. Um, that to right. me is okay. becoming increasingly. It's my it's my um, nemesis of the game. It's just like I really need to master this in order to actually maximise my score. But I'm lucky to get a 180 spin. Very lucky because I'm just like, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, damn it! Well, <laughs> do you, know, you, can, you can actually preload. Um, so if you're if you're rolling along, you can hold the trigger down. Oh no, your trick. Oh okay. Yeah, I've been doing that. It's still Stop. what happens <laughs> okay. is I hold, I still hold on to it after I'm pressing X or something ridiculous like that. Right, and okay. then it's like you really should let go. Oh damn! <laughs> and yeah, then I yeah. slam. And, and, it's and, interesting and, watching, especially when we're doing the testing. You know, kind of we worked out through the tutorial how to teach players the the jump and landing because I often talk to people and go, you just press X to land. And they're like, well, that's simple. What, what's the problem in teaching people? And it's like, well, you can kind of 15 years of Tony Hawk's muscle memory. Yes. <laughs> that <right>. system. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but once people get the, okay, I flip my trick, I launch the trick and I land it. Um, then you introduce spins and they're literally back to 
starting point again. Yeah, <laughs> you are. Yeah. Press X. This um, kind of leads me on to my, my question, uh, next question about the game itself, is that the game does have an extensive tutorial. I do believe it's extensive, based on proportion to the game itself, although there is a lot of it. The content is extraordinary. Um, you don't have to do the tutorial. Was that like a, 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 a conscious decision, or did you... Because... <laughs> Or is it something like, oh, of course you don't have to do it at all. We're not going to be do, draconian about these things. Do you know what? It's a very interesting question. Uh, the tutorial was um, a big kind of bone of contention <laughs> amongst everyone. Uh, everyone kind of had their say about, about it. But basically, it came about, we kept taking it to shows. Um, and we were doing tests. You know, if we leave people to the game, will they know how to play it? And pretty much 100% of the time, if we didn't show people... They they just hit a few buttons. They try and press X to jump, and yes. then wang the stick around to try and launch tricks, uh, and they just would walk away. They just That's would right. not get the system. So yeah. we first off we improved the HUD. So originally the kind of information you'd get on your tricks was down the right hand side, but it appeared really quickly, mm-hmm. and we realised no one could read that. So we changed the HUD so you get those big warning signs, you know, at the bottom when you press sloppy landing. So. Then we left people to it, and they're like, all right, well, I'm getting sloppy landings, but I still don't know how. <coughs> um, so we kind of, we, by the time we'd got there, we thought we'd be able to teach people in-game just by kind of, you know, feedback and stuff like that. It became apparent that that wasn't the case, but we'd got to the point where we built the game, and we're like, well, we can't embed a tutorial in, so let's build something separately. Um, so you made a new and, level, basically. Yeah. yeah of small levels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was kind of the way we wanted to go. We had big arguments about whether it should be mandatory <laughs> or whether it, it shouldn't. At one point, it was going to be mandatory up to, up to combos. And then we were going to let you do spins and perfect grinds a bit later. Uh, but we, we tested it. I think we did five iterations in testing. And the reason there are so many things in there is we thought, okay, once you've taught someone uh, how to grind, then combos will come naturally. And then when they get into the game and they wouldn't grind on handrails on the stairs mm-hmm. they just assumed they couldn't for some reason so, like, oh, right, right, yeah. so we have to say that as well um so everything that's in there i, th- I think you're right and we we know the tutorials uh not perfect by any means but um it was we just we really suppose because it's such a different system to get your head around when you first <clears> start <throat> i think we felt we had to give you the opportunity to be handheld if you wanted i think what people are glomming onto or I hate that phrase, I just used it. Um understanding is that the the left analog stick is the position of the rider of the of the of the skater. Yes. On the board. That's it. They, yeah. you know, everything, all the Street Fighter sort of rotation things, um that's what I call it, sorry. Um, no, <laughs> no, like, no, we, that's how we describe it as well, yeah. Yeah, um because I actually um, on the side I actually built my own joystick for fighter using yeah yeah, i actually because i got one of these regular ones and then it had like a a four sort of square gate so i replaced that with an eight gate so i could actually lock on to each segment it makes it much (laughs) easier to to pull off my moves and that's okay yeah um but uh yeah that's what i really love the fact that i'm moving the character you know i'm actually stretching around and the buttons or the button yeah uh is only there to do one thing yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got one job, <laughs> and it's so elegant because it's like that's all it's there for. You don't have to. There's no. This is a game you can't button mash. It requires finesse. Yeah. It requires an understanding of being drawn into the language of the game. Sounds very pretentious, but it definitely is that. <laughs> is that it's like this is you are interacting with the person on that board in a much more uh, that's, uh, analog that's way. Yeah, we yeah. we kind of really wanted that feel and the. You know, the way the trick system works is designed to try and emulate the feel as your feet would on the skateboard as you try and launch that trick, the kind of, you know, the twist your body has to get into to do that. And I know kind of it's difficult to say you're just using your thumb, but that there is definitely a relationship between those two. Oh, it does feel very tactile. It really does. I mean, yes, you've got that vibration, but that's superficial. We're talking about actually feeling that you're controlling a little fellow on yeah. top of that board way more than any other kind of... Uh, runner game i was going to say infinite runner but that's cannibal um but runner game that that that, that uh, allows you to have a greater understanding of also when you screw up it's what the <laughs> game's for never 
Is it Ollie Ollie's fault that you screwed it up? It's well, you. I said that. That's a good because that's <laughs> another thing we were we were aiming for, and I think that harks back to uh, stuff like Hotline and Super Meat Boy because <laughs> it's always your fault. And that yeah, was it's always your fault. <clears throat> that yeah. was a big balancing act for us. There were some levels that didn't make it in that were our fault. And that's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure level creation for this game was very challenging. Um, and uh, I'm very much, I'm a, a gameplay, I'm an explorer. I okay. like seeing new things. The, the, the pinnacle of that, or the lunacy, it got, it get to crescendo levels of <laughs> lunacy about how much I love exploring things, was I finished WoW. Now, what do you mean, Chris? You finished World of Warcraft? How can you, I okay. saw everything. Everything, every raid boss, every just finished it. Well, I ran out of content. <laughs> how do you how do you know that? Oh, because um, every um, every dungeon went to every dungeon, every boss killed every boss. Basically, there was nothing more to see in the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So so for me, when I'm playing a game like this, although I'm trying to get the special stars we'll talk about that in a minute and the stars where you actually get better and better in the stars and stuff and yeah but i want to see more levels did you did you find the five golden skateboards no no i haven't ah, found those yet okay no. i've not finished it god no okay although so you don't really finish ollie ollie do you no no you just you just keep hurl your v yeah. out the window yeah <laughs> Oh, I've never, I've never had that. I just blame myself. Only when I get, I get frustrated um, with that when I'm blaming the game itself. For example, yeah. I recently finished Assassin's Creed Two. Okay, it's a brilliant game, one of the best on the series apparently. And the amount of times it will go, he will, you know, you do the parkour stuff and you go running off. And like, no, I want you to go left. Not, no, what, what yeah. is that? <laughs> and then I get frustrated because it did things I didn't want it to do. Um, and that's always a problem, but that's the, that's the you know, the, the analog of the game itself. It's the design sure, sure. itself. It thinks you you think you're pointed the joystick vertically up, when in fact you just a little bit over to the right, and then off it will go, off it goes yeah, yeah, yeah. in direction and, and plunges to his death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, Ollie Ollie doesn't suffer from that, and, and well done. I think one of my favourite things to do. I love doing grinding just at the right time. Yeah, the perfect grinds. The, perfect yeah, grinds. Yeah. the little sparks at the back. I go, yeah, it's like, you know, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Mario Kart. Yeah. Yes, so again, that came out of um, the perfect landing mechanic. So originally that wasn't in there, and then we were kind of looking for ways to expand the levels. And it's like, well, this, we, we'd obviously hit a kind of maximum point of speed and therefore how far you could place certain objects away. So introducing the perfect grind mechanic uh, mimics the perfect landing also we gave the player a little speed boost which meant we could then place objects slightly further away or slightly higher and that just allowed us to play a bit more around with the level design so especially when you look at the the neon levels uh, which is the fifth and last world you can actually take three different routes at certain points depending on where you come out with the jump and if you get the perfect landing so just that one little thing allowed us to expand the game in a big big way it's just li- it definitely is that cliche little acorns Yes. <laughs> really, really, especially this game, is it started off with a 2D side-scroller with a simple jump and land mechanic. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. it just blossomed into this extraordinary thing. Um, oh, thank you. Which really rewards um, uh, tenacity. And, and uh, that's, that's the side of a really good game when uh, it's not the game that's punishing you, it's you that's punishing you. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, it's, but it's very, 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 very hard to achieve. Um, in, in a game because a lot of games out there are actually frustrating and actually only okay for the person who made it yeah okay well that's really good because that was one of our our big worries our, our, our two big worries were people get the control scheme mm. uh, based on the muscle memory you know they pick it up and they assume Tony Hawks um, and then as you say like you know is it will people think it's our fault or will people think it's their fault because yeah. like you say if you, if you go into the kind of realm of um, you think it's the dev's fault, then you're kind of uh, on a hiding to nothing, really. That's right, and there uh, are plenty of stuff out there, sadly, because of. Uh, but thankfully, there's playtesting, which is meant to wheedle that out. But hmm. well, I think that, you know that's we, we did do a, a, a lot of playtesting. We we actually went with um, a company called uh, Game to Train or Train to Game, right? Uh, and actually train up young people 
um, in various elements of the QA uh, process, or all, all elements of the games industry rather. Uh, but there are a lot of people actually doing specific QA courses, and okay. so we kind of would pay them to come in. You know, sometimes it's for an hour, sometimes it's for four hours. And um, then we took it to as well. But that really did influence and allowed us to see what was too hard and what was, wasn't. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be a kind of element of, of guesswork, you know, because you, you can't have people playing it all the time and you get so used to how it feels. Speaking of feelings, <laughs> yes. um, uh, visually, it does. It is. I mean, when you first saw it, a lot of people go, oh, look. It's an infinite runner of a skateboard. Yeah. And that's, yeah. You know, I know that's not true. Everyone, there's, there's an end to the level. Um, yes. It doesn't go on forever. Uh, although one of my favorite games of a few years ago was Cannibal because it was lovely. Yeah. It's, yes. Uh, I think people think, oh, it's, you're just jumping. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, it's, it's interesting. We're still getting, despite kind of, you know, we've had a lot of in-depth reviews and, and features about it and people explaining it um, on various sites and underneath you still get comments of people going this looks like a game that i wouldn't spend more than 99p on or 69p um and so i think you're right because of the look of it people assume it's just going to be i'm sorry not just but the people assume it's going to be an infinite runner and they go well i pay 69p for infinite runners or they're free or they're free and uh, they're in that purchase have to pay yeah. 70, 70 pounds in order to get to the next yeah, level. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I think this, that's an interesting for us because the, the, our art style is kind of you know, inspired by, again, the games we played growing up. I think it's uh, like a know. Mega Drive game. It, that's what it feels to me. Or yeah. it's not a, Please don't think that's a disservice to the, the art. No, no, we, that's good. No, we, <laughs> we like that. But a lot of people say that in a derogatory uh, sense in the comments. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but I think that was, you know, it was, it was an issue we kind of realised halfway through and kind of got to the point where we, there wasn't much we could do about it. It looks like it looks. If people think that about the game, then, you know, well, it's fair enough. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. We just thought, well, let's focus on the, the people who are, who are interested in it and make sure that kind of we're giving them the right information. There is another aspect of the game I haven't discussed at all and I really want to ask about because it's the other thing that I'm... And not many people are talking about enough, I don't think, is the music. Ah, okay. It's fantastic. Oh, thank you. It's really, really good. It just suits the mood and really helps the player as well. Can you tell us who did it? What, you know, what, where did you get it from? Just, sure, sure. Is it sure. licensed? Okay. Is it original? I, I think it's all original stuff. But oh, it's all in there amazing. illegally. Yeah, yeah. not less than that. <laughs> uh, okay, so Simon uh, was actually in charge of the, the soundtrack. Um, it was kind of very much influenced by the type of stuff we listen to at the studio. We're very okay. much into that laid-back kind of vibe. No speed now, death metal then. Okay. <laughs> well, this is the interesting thing about music. Where we did go originally was we're like, well, escape. So, you know, that's where we need to go. We need to go down the kind of skate culture route. So do we get some rock in there, skate rock, punk rock, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we actually did try some tracks before we went out of license. We just took some stuff and played it. And with rock music in there... Um, you you can play the game because you have to concentrate so much and kind of you really have to get into the flow of the game. Uh, if you've got something you know kind of thrashing away in the background, it really distracts you. Yeah, you can't focus. Rock music is is great for exercising. It really yes. is. <laughs> yeah. But I uh, believe me, this is my personal experience. Always sticking the headphones on and listen to Nirvana or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially Nevermind. Um, but uh, then. But when you're playing something like this, you need the ambient stuff that you've got going. Yeah, yeah. And Is that's it right to call it that? I hate doing classification no, I, music, I, I but think, I think it's I think ambient. Right. It's, it's ambient, electronica, kind of jazz, tronica. I've just made that one up. Um, but it's um, we were kind of you know very much into our music, as a lot of people are. But um, kind of Monosons' mm-hmm. um, backgrounds kind of were musical as well many years ago. So we actually know, know a couple of the bands who are in there. Uh, and so it was... Um, Simon just went out and contacted all these people, some of them through the record labels, some of them directly. Uh, found their stuff on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, etc., Spotify, and just said, look, are you interested in, in being in the game? We've got a bit of um, bit of budget for it. And, uh, yeah, people seem really interested to, to be so in the game. So it's a whole swath of artists that you yes. licensed. Yeah, that's, I that's think great. there's about 
eight or nine individuals in there. And it's nice, actually, when we see stuff on Twitter, they're going, oh, um, Dark Skies just appeared in Ollie Ollie, like a big fan of his. Or, you know, again, the nice thing is a lot of people saying, wow, where, where's that music come from? Um, yeah. And it's, it's nice to know that those artists have been found through the game, which is, um, I mean, we're kind of very conscious and wanted to create a good soundtrack, but I don't think we realised it would have have the effects that it had. So we're yeah, really pleased with the response. No, well, well done on that because it's... Well, thank you. Music can be is the, can be the uh, there's a lot of problem with uh, developers. They're great at doing the coding and stuff, but when it comes to the fine art of creating music, um, usually they outsource it. And you've actually gone out to artists, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the only exception I've heard of that is uh, it's Mode Seven Games who did uh, Synapse, who actually composed it themselves because they haven't have a composer right uh, <laughs> in, in amongst their uh, team. So, but that's very rare. Um, uh, the only reason I mentioned that is I actually interviewed him. And he actually ah, right, okay. Started talking about uh, all this stuff he ran run on his uh, sequences when he was in, in, the, in the 90s. So, uh. Uh, well, myself and Simon have been in many bands together down the years, but, um, you know, we took a strategic decision that our music was was terrible here <laughs> in the game. Um, so that was, yeah. that was that decision made it's quite that, quickly. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, you made, you, made you feel great because you were creating, but ultimately it's... <laughs> that's very crazy of you and, and, and honest <laughs> yeah i think we are very kind of very hypercritical of, of everything we do mm. um so kind of you know not, nothing's in there in the game by mistake not to the point um, where you're an obsessive perfectionist though because then it wouldn't get released at all no yeah, it wouldn't be that. <laughs> no there's definitely a lot of stuff we wanted to do and we have to drop and stuff like that. But, you know, everything that's in there is in there for a reason, even if it's not as polished as we want it to be. Speaking of which, so we'll end on this. Uh, okay. Um, the last question really is something that keeps on popping up, and I have got no answer to it because I'm still having too much fun with the game, but um, it's the leaderboards. Yes. <laughs> uh, if I didn't ask you this question, it would be remiss of me not to because everyone goes, Chris, why did you ask him this? And I'm sure you're sick to death of hearing it but people do want that friend filter on their leaderboard because they want their geometry wars point chaser i know i know yes um do you know it's, it's such an an odd one it, it was discussed uh during the process right and we're, we're all kind of sitting there now going why didn't it make it in um and i think um it was it was our first time developing for console it's our second you know actual game uh the first one was on ios um and I think we were, especially because with the kind of, you know, the regulations with Sony and how we have to connect with their network, we massively underestimated how long it would take just to kind of, you know, make sure things worked in the right way. It connected to the network at the right time. Um, and I think at some point through that, just this whole kind of that leaderboards just got dropped as an idea. And I know it sounds horrible and people are going, well, how can you drop leaderboards, especially when I've seen the, the feedback and comments afterwards. But we kind of thought, you know, you can see your score, you can see where you are in the world. People would be cool with that. And I think we were so worried about so many other aspects of the game. We were worried about people wouldn't like the look and feel. We were worried people wouldn't be able to play the game because the control system is so different. Um, and it's so interesting seeing the feedback where people go, oh, it's really easy to pick up. It takes a while to, you know, to get the rhythm of it. Once you get it, it's fine. Um, people really like the visuals. Um, so all this stuff we're worried about, I think we were just focusing on that and maybe lost sight of, you know, what people wanted to see in there. I suppose the player testing we did again was so focused on can people get the control scheme? Are the levels too hard? Yeah, can you play the game itself? Yeah. Not to the point where going, yeah, but how can I demonstrate I'm awesome at this game to my friends and then brag yeah. against them? And so we never did that. And that's a kind that. of big, big lesson for us to now go out and say, right, what else do you want in this game? Like, you know, we... Are we you know, working on anything or is that, is that it? Is, are you done? Uh, with we are. We're actually, we're actually working on two projects at the moment, oh, which is very exciting. Um, I'm afraid I can't reveal too Oh, no, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't volunteer. It's not fair on me to do that. I've tried oh, that once. Yeah. And it, got, it got very, it got very, like, all of a sudden the tone of the interview yeah. went south. Very. <laughs> Quickly, like, yeah. no, we're, we're actually making notes at the end of February, so um, oh, okay, so or maybe early March, yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, we've learned a hell of a lot, and we're looking into whether we can patch something in. It's um, again because we've got to go through the Sony network and the TLC, so I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses, it's not as kind of simple as just mocking something up. No, I suspect this the game wasn't developed as a modular form, it doesn't look like it, was, it looks like it's a self contained thing. 
yes. right in thinking that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely stuff we can do, but we, we've just got to be, we've just got to make sure that if we do do it, we get it right. Because what we don't want to do is put something out there and people go, oh, that's not what I meant. Um, but yeah, we, we're very conscious of, of the feedback out there and want to make sure we can respond. Uh, you know, I was kind of spent the, the day after release on NeoGAF. Uh, getting crucified. <laughs> well, everyone gets crucified on Neography when yeah, they're doing yeah. great. You know, it's yeah, yeah. Just, uh... Do you know, in, in fairness to me, it was, it was all lighthearted. Um, it was more kind of like, why? How? Yeah. <laughs> not I mean, for speaking personally, I had major problems with the game because I had the Wi-Fi on and it just kept on crashing on the Wi-Fi. Yes, this, well, this is what we're working on at the moment. Yeah. Um, and we've tried to get out as much as possible on social media to let people know we're working on it. So I'm yeah. glad you brought it up. So I can say to the people listening, if they haven't seen, we are hard at work on a patch. And obviously that, that's the priority at the moment before the leaderboard stuff. So. Absolutely. Speaking of personally, uh, it locked up my machine so badly I had to let the battery run out in order for it to reboot again. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, well, really sorry for that. We've not heard of that, that problem. It's, it's an odd one. We, it won't crash in our studio. No. It just I think literally will not. Um, it, it, we think it's to do with if we've got a kind of a business Wi-Fi connection. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so when we're going through QA, it just wasn't coming up. We've now actually resorted to testing it in my kitchen because my kitchen can replicate the crash. Um, but that is literally the only place we've found where we can replicate it. So it's kind of going back home. I mean, I have tended to help you out with it because like, it happens all the time. With oh, really? Okay. My, my, my setup here is I think it's the reason is I have a lot of things hanging off my Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. I've got the PS4 now. I've got, you know, I've got the my, my my Steam box on the PC in the living room. I've got the PS3, the Xbox, and 360, and my PCs here, and all sorts of things. My, you know, my phone. Right, okay. my, all, all these loads and loads of things hanging off the Wi-Fi. And I'm then, you know, the PS Vita goes. I, I want part of this too. And I think that's what yeah, the game's going. Oh, have you tried on flight mode? Because that yes, is something way I can play it. some people. That's right, the only way I can okay. play it. It, it works. There's no problems at all when I flick it on flight mode. It's, yeah. Everything's okay. It's fine. Uh, the only problem is flight mode <laughs> means I can't. It's not no, I know. Exactly. So, it does, what it will do for, and for you and for people listening, it will save your scores locally. So when you do go online, it will update them. Um, and yeah, we're just apologies just, to everyone that's happening to you. The bizarre thing is for some people, it doesn't happen at all. No. Uh, some people get it every now and then some people it's happening constantly so yeah to everyone who has bought and experiencing that yeah huge apologies from everyone there at the team and we are one of those things i felt remiss not to me mention it and i appreciate no no fair enough no, t- totally understand um and it's, it's good it gives us an opportunity to get the news the kind of news out there that we are working and we're not just sitting there going oh well never mind uh it's no you can't do that it's up at night uh <laughs> yeah it's it no it literally i actually it, my machine went I'm now going to go black screen on you oh wow it just went and like I can't do this anymore because it crashed and crashed and crashed and crashed and then it went, and went whoa okay. <laughs> not good apologies for that um, yeah I remember the first time a game crashed on a console for me uh, we'll end it with this was uh, on Wipeout on the PS1 <laughs> well this thing with you know ironic people going yes i am slamming and crashing a lot in the game i just wish it wasn't the beta wasn't uh, the beta doing that. Yeah. um which yes it's no it's it's really it's it's tough to take um yeah but my advice to everyone is for, for now use flight mode it's fine yeah 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 just be fine and then you know but uh at the moment, I'm just not turning it on with Wi-Fi on for fear Fair. of doing it again. Okay. No, I mean, it's, again, it's, it's a big lesson for us, as I say. It's you know, no one to make excuses, but, you know, it's our first console title, and we kind of, you know, we need to make sure it's, you know, we test it in my kitchen the next game we do <laughs> to see if, see if it works that way. Um, but, yes, hopefully have news on that soon. Okay, well, Thomas, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you putting out and uh, showing up. And uh, even though you're recovering from a cold, so what? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, what's a cold? No, it's a virus, isn't it? Let's face it. Um, it was a uh, proper uh, virus. Yeah, proper virus. And uh, you understand you are demonstrating the game at, at Res and, and Pax East. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Well, we'll actually uh, have a different game at uh, those two shows. Oh, uh, so yes, the Thanks one we're announcing to... at the end of this month. So uh, we may the well... game called Game. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> but we'll, we'll always have a, a Vita in, you know, in the back pocket, in the rack sack. I don't go anywhere without it, just in case, you know, you're in a pub and you overhear someone talking about skateboarding, you know, <laughs> show them the game. So they sell a few more copies along the way. <laughs> yes, never stop, never stop. Yeah. Okay, well, again, thank you very much. And thank you for, for making such an awesome game. It's oh, uh, much you. appreciated. No, thank you for your time and having us on. I'll pass your comments back onto the team. I'd be really glad to hear that. Okay. 